Blessings to you this morning. Grateful to be here with you. Title of my sermon today is Winning the Race, which also suggests that there could be a losing side. And I was thinking about our Sunday school lesson. We had a picture of of what we would look at as Joshua winning. But the end of our lesson was also of what we might would consider losers. So, um, yeah, winning the race. The winner says, I'm good, but not as good as I ought to be or do. The loser says, I'm not as bad as a lot of other people. You know, quitters aren't much of an inspiration to get us motivated to win. And I know that you as children, when you run a race, when you play a game, and probably us as adults too, we We're there to win. You want to win. You want to be on the winning side. And I hope it's that way with our uh, spiritual lives too. We want to be on the winning side. And I do believe you do want to. I have the confidence in each one of you that you want to be on the winning side when it comes to your spiritual life. But how do we deal with the problems that we face? We all face problems. We all face things that knock us back a notch. A winner goes through the problem. A loser will go around the problem and never really win, never really overcome, never really finds a solution to his problem. Life in our world and the way it is now, the things that we face can be difficult. And I really think, uh, as I thought about that, you know, we look at our, our particular situation in our world today, and I think every generation had their problems, had their difficulties, had their things that they needed to work through, and they had their hard times, especially when it comes to things of, uh, well, these things can become a burden to us. It can become discouraged. We can be depressed or even traumatized by some of the things we face when we suffer huge losses. Um, When we look at those things, Seems like the word cancer comes up quite often. That would be a stunning thing if you all of a sudden had cancer. Um, And there's certain things that probably I've experienced in the loss of loved ones that it seems like life should stop. Uh, But it doesn't. Life goes on. And I have to face it. When your health is failing, when your dreams become failure, 
your family or lifelong ambitions, what Mark was talking about, taking your land away, how would we? Things crumble. Perhaps we become very cynical about life. Maybe we even lose hope. And we look at some people's life and it seems to be a series of twists and turns and things come into their life and we wonder how they can go on. But I would like to say, don't lose hope. Don't lose your faith. Don't give up. Jesus, or God, He does see everything. He does see your life. He does see what you're going through. And He does see those twists and turns. And He looks down in sympathy, I do believe. He is there. He cares for you. He says, cast all your burdens on me. And I will carry them if we can only do. God gives us a race to run. Each one of us. And to finish well, we must develop perseverance. We must develop an intimate relationship with Him. Without that, we will be losers. We can't do it without Him. We need that relationship with Him. The Christian life is not a hundred meter dash. It's a marathon. It's a continuation. And as I said, life goes on. Regardless of what we face, what we do, life goes on. We have to face it. But not only one wins in this race, we can all be winners. That's the beautiful part about the spiritual life, the race that we run in, in life. We can all be a winner. I want to look at the race of life. We have that, uh, those words various places in Scripture that I want to look at. <clears throat> None of us asked to come in this race. We are here. God planted us here. We didn't have a choice. Um, God didn't consult with us when our time was to be born, whether we wanted to be here or whether we didn't. We were here. And you're here for a purpose. I can tell you that. God has a purpose for every life here. And He wants us to, to respond back to Him. To give our life to Him. That's His ultimate goal for every person in our world today. We are not responsible for our entrance. But we are responsible for what condition our spiritual life is when we leave this earth. That's up to us. That's a choice that we make when we exit this life. We did not ask to be born in the homes that we were or the place. We could have been on an, another world, Ukraine. Uh, I don't mean world, another continent or place of where we were born. We could have been born in a Muslim group. God chose where He puts us. You're here. Because God wanted you here. He has a plan for me. He has a plan for you. We were born with a sin nature. 
as you can tell, there's some random thoughts here I'm having here in the beginning. He did not intend on us leaving with a sinful state or live, leave in a sinful state. But he wanted us to leave in peace with him without spot or blameless. And I've been thinking about that recently. You know, the, the best that I can give to God the very best righteousness I can give is the right to say is only stinky rags. The best that I can give to Him. But He wants us to enjoy His wonderful heaven. He wants us to have um, a place that He prepared for us to be together. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Is one of the places where this is used. I want to read verse 24 through 27. It says here, Know ye not that they which run in a race all... Uh, I'm sorry, run in a race run all... But one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for masteries is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible crown, or incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Our spiritual life is a journey. I guess we could look at it as a journey. We are born, and eventually we come to the end of life, and that's our journey. That's our space of time that we have to live here on earth. We could, uh, we could call it a race or a journey. And sadly, in the spiritual realm, uh, many people are not even choosing to run this race. Paul is talking about a spiritual race here. He likens it to a physical race. Uh, he does that in numerous places. They choose not to run the race at all, the spiritual race. They have despaired, or they don't want to. And many confessing Christians could be described as, run, uh, as running the race, not running the race at all. I say Christian people. There comes a point when you're not in anymore. You can lose out. You can give up. Let's not give up. And some churches, and maybe our own, let's think about ourselves, our own life. They're merely jogging along, or just walking, or, as I said, choosing to just sit there as spectators. Not doing anything. You know, as you join a church, 
as you're a part of the family of God, whether here at the church, wherever you are out here in the world, living your Christian life, I believe God expects something from you. He expects you to give some of your life back to Him. I know He does. He wants you to give back to Him by sharing your faith with others, by giving your faith to others. Don't just walk or don't just be spectators. When you sit in church, and I appreciate all of you, you seem to be very willing to be useful in the church. Sunday school classes, whatever we ask you to do, you're willing to do, and we appreciate that. I think that's the way it should be. If you can't give anything to the church, there's something wrong. You need to not just be a spectator, not just walking, but being engaged, serving God, especially in our communities and in the church. Maybe I should say especially in the church and also in the community. We have opportunities and we need to use them. What we need to remember is that life is not a journey without lasting consequences. The way we live our lives and our, our time that we have, the space of time that we have, has eternal consequences. And we need to remember that. God gives us this time of space, space of time, to prove who we are, to be able to live for Him. It's eternal life. It's an upward call. It's a call to run for Jesus and receive a crown of righteousness. That's what He wants for us. And that's what all these things hang on our life says about who we are, what we trust, who we love, who is our love. We need to be careful in our walk. We need to, to allow God to work in our life. What do we really love? Is it God? We talked about in our Sunday school at one point, somebody said, uh, well, it is because people don't believe we were talking about um, losing out and why. Why do we see these things? And, and I always come back to that too. Why did the children of Israel not go in the promised land? Because of unbelief. Do we really believe the things that we're living? As long as we are in this life, we run. Paul says, not that I've already obtained the resurrection or become perfect, but I run. And I would say, even people that choose not to run the race, non-Christians, they are still running the race. They are still in. We have no choice. 
God planted us here, and we must run the span of life that we have, the journey that we have. And it's a choice what we do with that, whether we do, but we're in. Paul says, not that I've apprehended, but I reach forward to those things that I want. Forgetting those things behind me, I think all of us could look back on our life, I know I can, and say, wow, if I could life, live life over, I sure would do some things different. With my children, probably with the church, Everything I've done, um, there are parts of it that I would do different. But we don't stay back there. We can glance back there and see what we've done and say, well, we want to learn from those things and let's move forward, reaching to a better thing ahead of us, something more valuable, something that would reach others. I pressed toward the mark, Paul said one time in uh, Philippians 3, 13 and 14. I pressed toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I press. Gives you the idea that there has to be an effort. There has to be a, a striving for when you press something in a mold, you press it in. You want it to be shaped. You want it to be a certain way. And that's what God wants for us. Paul said, I press toward the mark because maybe I will lose. What if I've preached all these years, Paul said, and be accursed myself? How horrible that would be. I press toward the mark. It's an effort. It's a striving. If we're going to win. Turn with me to Hebrews 12. Is another place where it talks about our journey. Our race. <clears throat> Hebrews 12 and verse 1. And when we look at the wherefore here, seeing we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, he's referring back, back to chapter 11, which we call the faith chapter, of all the people that went before them and they had won the race. They had won those things. And they're looking back at seeing what they have done. We're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. It's possible we can win because all these before us did and we can look back at our fathers, we can look back at our grandfathers and for a lot of us, at least most of us, probably all of us, I don't know, um, that does vary. We can look back and we can admire our parents. We can admire our grandparents and we can say they had the faith. They won. They're an example for us. We can look at them, and that's what this wherefore is, is they were looking back at those people and seeing that it is possible. We're in capac 
compass about with so great a cloud of witness. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradictions of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. I think I'll quit there. Um, here's another place where it talks about the race. It talks about looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He is the beginning. He is the, the beginning and the end of our faith. He is the one that will carry us through. He is the one that gives us life eternal. I like what's on the board. Um, he gives us life. He gives us breath. He gives us everything that we have. We can find it nowhere else. And so He is the author and the finisher. And so it says, so because He is, let us lay aside every weight, everything that would beset us, the sin that would beset us, anything that would keep us from winning the race. Understand in the training of Olympics uh, and Paul's time, they would use weights uh, while they were training. They would weight themselves down with weights and they would strive to, to be good in their particular Olympic that they were in. And so at the end of when the the real actual race came, they laid aside these weights, they took them off, and they laid them aside to, to be able to run even better. And so, you know, a lot of scripture that we see is Paul understood, and he often re relates to Olympic things, uh, things of, of running races and stuff. Laying aside those weights, we need to lay down everything that would weight us, that would so easily beset us. And there are things, there are things in life that certainly sin is going to bring us down. It's going to cause us to, to not be able to run as well our spiritual life. I think each one of us has a story to say. If we would take the time, I've gone through difficult things, you have gone through difficult things, we each have our story to tell. Some of them were very difficult. I don't know what you're going through today. Some would have a few chapters. Some would have many chapters. Some would have several books. If you look at people that have wrote books about their lives. 
But some of these things, difficult things that we've gone through, if we can't put them behind us, they will weight us down. We need to be able to achieve and get beyond them somehow. And we sometimes call it baggage, and that's true. It can be. Paul calls it weights that slow us down. Certainly sin here is a, a particular thing that will weight us down, will cause us to not be productive. We cannot have any type of sin in our life and be able to make progress in our, our Christian life. can't be done. It's going to weight us down. It's going to slow us down. We're not going to be effective as Christians to other people, whether it's here in the church or beyond in our world of speaking to others outside of the church. There's many things that we could look at. Possessions could be things. Um, Jesus spoke of the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, Desire for things. Those are some of the things that can weight us down. Seeking entertainment instead of fellowshipping with God. Communing and being able to, in other words, anything that would take us away from our ability to seek God, to give our all to Him. Anything that would be greater, that we give greater attention to than the things of God. Our focus is going to be somewhere else. It's so much, so easy for us to get up in the morning. We have our routines. We have our things that need to be done. You need to be on the job at whatever time that your boss has set for you. And maybe our personal time with God gets pushed aside because, well, there's a lot to do. And I think as I talk to people, we often say, how are you doing? Oh, just busy, busy. So much to do. Don't know how I'm going to get it all done. And so, what happens with the things that are really important? God's things. Do they get pushed aside? I hope not. Just the time to read and study and pray and seek His face for our life for that day. How easily those things can beset us. I think we know our particular weaknesses in our life. I don't need to tell you. You know what your weakness is. I don't know what it is. I don't know what your particular um, thing is that can tempt you easy or lead you astray. Sometimes be a temptation and sometimes make you fail. Let's get rid of it. 
Paul here is saying those things need to be stripped off that run us that that would cost us to win the race. Else it might entangle you or trip you up, prevent you from finishing your journey successfully. It also says here you must run your race with patience. I think here is a picture of a person that is settled in. He's decided to live for Jesus. He's decided that no matter what, nothing's going to deter him from running that race, from running for Jesus. It's not a picture of sitting back and waiting to see what will come our way. It's an active word. Patience. Moving forward, as I talked about, reaching forward for those things that are that God has for us. We want to stand up and we want to face the trials that come our way, the hard times. And we want to conquer it. We want to overcome it. We must go through it not around it. And we know that God will help us to do that for His good and glory. We know that all things, Romans 8.28, I know all of you could quote it, for we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. Yeah, you have a purpose. You're called according to His purpose. Yes, this, this uh, portion here teaches us that it's not uh, just to run. It is intentional. We stand strong. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And we also notice here the race that is set before us. We each have, and I think I've alluded to it already, we each have our own race. I can't run your race. You can't run my race. I have to run my own race. God has set us individually and given us a plan given us a race a journey that we must run i got to stay out of your lane and i'm thinking more of a, a track out of your lane i cannot run in your lane you can't run in my lane else we might trip each other up yes we can help each other in the spiritual life for sure But I think we can be a hindrance to each other too, depending how we might try to run each other's race. We um, maybe meddle into places that we shouldn't. That could be. It ends up hindering and really stumbling people more than it helps. 
1960, there was a famous race in Canada that was going to take place. And it was between two great runners. The four-minute mile was about to be broken, and the world expected John Landy or Roger Bannister to do it. John Landy had been leading for the most part of the race, and there was only about 200 yards to go. They were coming out of the last corner when John Lange looked behind him to see where his opponent was placed. At that very moment, Roger Bannister passed him on the other side while he was looking back. And it cost him the race. He lost the race and will go down in history as, as the runner who looked back. Jesus told us, put your hand to the plow and don't look back. We don't want to have any misgivings. We don't want to um, take our eyes off of the finish line. We must keep it focused on Jesus. Else it might cost us the race. And I'd like to say, we're not in a competition. We're on the same team. Regardless of where you are, and I'd like to say for Mount Hermon here, we are on the same team. We're not trying to outdo each other. We're trying to do what God wants us to do. The race that you're running is prepared just for you. And the best thing we can do is run that race as God gives us ability to do. There are several other places before I read you a book. <clears throat> Ecclesiastes 9.11 also has a race. I returned and saw unto the sun that the race is not with the swift, nor the battle with the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor riches to the men of understanding, nor yet favor to the men of skill, but time and chance, opportunities. And I thought about that verse. Yes, we do. We all have opportunities. God has placed us here and given us opportunities. What are we doing with it? The third place raced is used... That was the third place. The fourth place is in Psalms 19.5. says, Which as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices as a strong man to run a race. So those are some of the places that race is used in Scripture. But maybe, I don't know how you feel about your journey. Some people despair at their life and they feel like they've been no good. In fact, one of my grandson said, he's just a troublemaker. And I said, why do you think you're a troublemaker? Well, he's just always messing up. Well, I don't think it's quite that way. 
In the next breath, he was telling us how he cleaned up the toys for Mama. And I said, well, that don't sound like a troublemaker. That sounds like a happy maker. Anyway, maybe you feel like you've stumbled and you fell and you've not achieved what you wanted. I like this book, The Race. I don't know how many of you have ever seen it. Uh, I love the race because it depicts our life. And if you're feeling like you haven't been successful, <clears throat> think about the words of this. Quit. Give up. You're beaten. They shouted at me and plead. There's just too much against you now. This time you can't succeed. And as I started to hang my head in front of failure's face, my downward fall was broken by the memory of a race. The hope refills my weakness, weakened will, as I recall the scenes for just the thought of his short grace rejuvenates my being. A children's race, young boys, young men, how I remember well. Excitement, sure, but also fear. It wasn't hard to tell. They all lined up so full of hope, each thought to win the race or tie to first. If not that, at least take second place. And fathers watched off from the side, each cheering his own son, each, hope, each boy hoped to show his dad that he would be the one. The whistle blew, and off they went, young hearts and hopes afire, to win, to be the hero there, was each boy's desire. And one boy in particular, whose dad was in the crowd, was running near the lead and thought, my dad will be so proud. But as they sped down the field, across the shallow dip, the little boy who thought to win lost his step and slipped. Trying hard to catch himself, his hands flew out to brace. But mid the laughter of the crowd, he fell flat on his face. So down he fell with hope. He couldn't win it now. Embarrassed, sad, he'd only wish to disappear somehow. But as he felt, his dad stood up. As he fell, his dad stood up and showed his anxious face, which to the boys so clearly said, get up and win the race. He quickly rose, no damage done, behind a bit, that's all and ran with all his might, mind and might, to make up for the fall. So anxious to restore himself, to catch up, to win, his mind went faster than his legs, and he slipped and fell again. He wished then he had quit before, with only one disgrace. I'm hopeless as a runner now. I shouldn't try to race. But in the laughing crowd he searched, he found his father's face. That steadily looked, which said again, Get up and win the race.
So he jumped up to try again. Ten yards behind the last, if not to gain those yards, he thought, I've got to move real fast to gain those yards. Exerting everything he had and regained eight or ten, but trying so hard to catch the lead, he slipped and fell again. Defeat, he laid there silently, a teardrop from his eye. There is no sense running anymore. Three strikes, I'm out. Why try? The will to rise had disappeared. All hope had fled away so far behind, so arrow prone, a loser all the way. I've lost, so what's the use, he thought. I'll live with my disgrace. But then he thought about his dad, who soon he'd have to face. Get up, an echo sounded below. Get up, take your place. You were not meant for failure here. Get up and win the race. With barred will, get up, it said. You haven't lost at all, for winning is no more than this, to rise each time you fall. So up he rose to run once more, and with a new commit, he resolved that win or lose, at least he wouldn't quit. So far behind the others now, the most he'd ever been, still he gave it all he had and ran as though to win. Three times he had fallen, stumbled. Three times he had rose again. Too far behind to hope to win, he still ran to the end. They cheered the winning runner as he crossed the line first place. Head high and proud, happy, no falling, no disgrace. But when the fallen youngster crossed the line that place, the crowd gave him a greater cheer for finishing the race. And even though he had came in last with head bowed low, unproud, you would have thought he won the race to listen to the crowd. And his dad, and to his dad, sadly he said, I didn't do too well. To me, you have won, his father said. You rose each time you fell. And now when things seem dark and hard and difficult to face, the memory of that little boy helps me to win my race. There's a father in heaven that is looking down. Every time we fall, he says, get up. Let's win the race. My heart desire for you is that every one of you would win the race. You can. You can do it. Let's run together. Let's be a team together. 
Let's enjoy heaven together. I have a song, and if any of you ever don't like that I use a song, you can let me know. But I'll tell you the first time, this is not the first time I had this sermon. <clears throat> first time was at a family reunion, and that morning, each more, Sunday morning, I have two songs sent to me. Um, and that morning, this song came on. I was planning to have this sermon at a family reunion. And I said, this is no coincidence. This was meant to be. I want to play you that song this morning. Just a little glimpse of heaven, and there's really 